Hello, hello, hello. I'm Aaliyah, and I'm back with season two of Netflix, Coffee, and Questioning Humanity. I originally was going to do my first episode back about newness on Netflix, but to put it incredibly simple, the past few weeks have been really, really horrible. This has been a very depressing time, and I don't mean that personally. If you did not know or could not tell, I live in America, and well, that explanation is the only explanation you need about why I'm depressed. And to be quite honest, I haven't been watching anything new on Netflix, so instead I wanted to share some titles that have been lifting my spirits over the past few weeks. And I do think it's important to feel things in dark times. It's not good to just suppress that stuff. I want to be a source of light because you may not have had it anywhere else. So today's pod is all about feel-good titles. Things you can watch when you turn off the news to smile or laugh and forget about the horrible things going on in the outside world for just a little bit. Friendly reminder that this still is an explicit podcast. That means I may be discussing explicit content while most certainly using explicit language. So little ears, those easily offended, and my mom and dad may want to bow out. Now, on with the show. Sorry to start this off so explicit so early, but where the fuck is the bottle pour sound effect? Granted, I know I'm still a garage band noob, but I've got this thing pretty much figured out to do what I needed to do. All of a sudden, it just doesn't want to show up. All of a sudden, it just doesn't want to be there. All right, all right. Well, you know what? Next episode, I'll have a new sound effect for that. But today, I'll just make my own. Today, because I'm doing an episode on feeling good, I wanted something simple and nostalgic and classic and cozy. And for me, it doesn't get more cozy, comfy, classic, nostalgic than Folgers. I shit you not, I have about eight different coffees in my house right now, and that's because I'm trying a whole bunch of different ones, which I'll get into why in just a second. And I feel like every single one of them, I find myself comparing to Folgers and it coming up short. Not that they're bad. Fingers crossed, I haven't had a bad experience yet, but my package just came in the mail for my poop coffee. Yeah, no, you totally heard that correctly. I said poop coffee, P-O-O-P, like crap, like taking a shit, poop coffee. This is all the more reason to stay engaged. Like, why am I drinking poop coffee? You're just gonna have to listen to the next few episodes to find out. But anyway, I find it coming up short, mostly in like the fullness and and the strength of the coffee. And for the price difference of what I've paid for these other coffees versus Folgers, it's a much better budget-friendly option. And I've been drinking a lot more coffee at home. Like I use a percolator, percolator, percolate. I don't know why I'm like singing that to the tone of Petey Pablo's freak leak in my head, but you know, whatever. Anyways, the way I like to make my coffee at home and follow along children down bullshit lane, try not to judge me. I like a very dark roast of coffee. However, I like a lot of cream and no extra sugar because I don't need it. I use the Coffee Mate Sweet Italian Cream and that's my OG. And let me get this out of the way right off the bat. I don't give a shit how many calories, how many sugars, how much fat is in it. I don't give a fuck. Here's my stance on it. After many, many years of drinking coffee and having many years of trying to make that coffee quote, healthy, unquote. I think it's very important to maintain a healthy lifestyle with lots of activity, 
But when it comes to coffee, that is my vice. I like my coffee how I like my coffee and I don't care how much fat or sugar is in the fucking creamer. I don't care. I don't know who brainwashed you into thinking you need a whole fucking stick of butter or sugar-free skinny syrup to make your coffee healthy, but I'm telling you right now, get the fuck off Pinterest, enjoy your creamer and eat a fucking salad. Balance is all it is. Balance. You're welcome. Free fucking health advice from a chubby 26-year-old who's literal addiction is coffee and chocolate. You're welcome. And while I'm just throwing free unsolicited fucking fitness advice out there, don't spend your money on a fucking Peloton bike. Honest to God, don't don't do that shit. Bill Burr said it's smarter, funnier, and truer. Just fucking take a walk. You don't need a fucking Peloton bike. You're fine. Or just run up and down your stairs. Do some laps. Anyways, we went down bullshit lane to come to this point. And the point is, enjoy your coffee how you enjoy your coffee. Unless you use fucking sweet and low, then you can go fuck yourself. Sweet and low is the Beelzebub of all fucking aspartame sweeteners. They're all nasty and taste like chemicals, but sweet and low truly is the bane of my existence. And now smoothly transitioning into my second point, why am I drinking so many different coffees? And no, it is not to counteract my anxiety medication or to see a heart attack before I turn 30. Oh no, it's to create more coffee content. I recently started a YouTube channel called Coffee Beans and Horror Fiends where I discuss all things horror and that is not limited to horror movies by the way. Yes, I will be discussing horror movies quite a bit, but it's going to be haunted places, creepy people, horrifying true crime, horror books, sometimes visiting haunted locations or creepy locations. For example, I just found out American Horror Story is filming their new season in P-Town down the Cape, which for you non-New Englanders is like the tippity 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 point of Massachusetts in the little arm. It's called Provincetown and it is amazing there. Overpriced lobster, great views, crowded restaurants. I mean, that was pre-coronavirus, but you know, I don't know what it's like now. I haven't been there in God, I think like five or six years, but I'm planning on being a super sleuth and heading down there and seeing what's good, asking some questions of the locals if they don't mind me asking and kind of looking up like what clues could be the theme of the new season. It could be a total fail, but you're just gonna have to follow me on YouTube to see if it's a fail or just a super successful trip. My first episode is live. It's all about Lizzie Borden. If you don't know her, you definitely wanna check out her story. My YouTube page is literally just forward slash L-E-A-L-O-C-K-S like Leah Locks. Give the video a thumbs up, comment, subscribe, whatever you like to do if you enjoyed it. I really appreciate your support and I hope you enjoy the rest of the horror content. And now almost seven minutes into this podcast, let's get into the Netflix feel good titles. First one I'm going to start off with is one you probably already know and love, but maybe you did not know it was on Netflix. It's super bad. Whatever 5'10 is, he was 5'10. Ethnically, I mean, did what, uh, I mean, was he, was he like a us or? A woman? No. Female? No, uh, no, 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 I was say like, what? Uh, what? African. Af- Af- was he African? African. African. No. He was American and he was like you. He looked just like you. He was Jewish. Just Wait, like okay. you. Jew. Okay. Odd crime for Judy. Yeah, pretty docile. Okay, so we have an African Jew wearing a hoodie. No, you don't. No. No, that's not what I said. Is that what you heard me say? I said he looked like you. Do you look like an African Jew? No, I look like a cop. 
Yeah. Superbad was released in 2007, which holy shit, that feels like yesterday. And what was it really? Like, what's that, 14 years ago? But since we already know how iconic Superbad is, I'll give a very brief rundown just in case you've been living under a rock for the last 14 years. And then I'll hit you with some things that you may not have known about the movie. Two codependent high school seniors are forced to deal with separation anxiety after their plan to stage a booze-soaked party goes horribly, horribly wrong. One thing that blew my mind that I did not know before researching this film a little bit more was that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg started this script when they were 13 years old just to see if they could write a movie and honestly like doesn't that make a lot more sense with like the dick jokes and shit speaking of seth rogan apparently because jonah hill and him are such great friends they were quoted as saying that when casting evan they weren't so much looking for a good actor as they were casting a new best friend which of course ended up being michael sarah and it was actually michael sarah's mom who read the script first and convinced him him that he needed to do this film. Another cool fact is this movie used the word fuck 186 times. I mean, that's not super impressive. I did that in the first six minutes of this podcast, so... 84 of those fucks were said by Jonah Hill alone. And fun fact, Jonah Hill has said fuck more than anyone in film. Yeah, no, more than Samuel L. Jackson. I was surprised too. This critical data was given to me courtesy of the next title I'm going to speak about. History of swear words. Swear words are the most popular and alluring taboos we have, but the secrets to their strange power have been shrouded in mystery until now. Join me on a journey through the history, evolution, and cultural impact of swear words. Oh, I was so excited for this one. An Education and Expletives, the history lesson you didn't know you needed, hosted by Nicolas Cage. A loud and proudly profane series that explores the origins, pop culture usage, science, and cultural impact of curse words. I really enjoyed the lightheartedness of this series. I love the idea behind it. I love Nicolas Cage hosting, but... I felt a little bamboozled. I felt like there was little to no history given and mostly unfunny comedy was what they supplemented it with. All in all, I was kind of disappointed in a nerdy way, although it was really great at turning my brain off. So I wasn't too critical. It's not a show that I take too serious. Again, like I said, this is just going to be shit that you can turn off the news and throw on to turn your brain off. That's literally what I was intending. And that's what I got. I wasn't expecting some masterpiece. I wouldn't watch it again, but it was a fun watch. My next title is Best Leftovers Ever. This is That Leftovers Show. Three skilled cooks will compete over two rounds, creating new dishes out of leftovers. I cannot believe you turned your tamale into a gnocchi. The cook with the best dishes goes home with $10,000. Oh, we about to go on a journey with this. Time is coming down to the wire. In four, two, three, two, one, let's eat. On this show, home cooks compete to transform leftovers into delicious creations, finding ways to give old leftovers new life 
all in hopes of winning a $10,000 prize. So let me start by saying me giving a serious review that may not be glowing of these lighthearted shows does not mean they aren't great, calming, enjoyable shows. I just wanted to reiterate that. This is an easy breezy episode, but I am who I am. I am an INTJ, heavy emphasis on that J, so I can't help the judgment. There, I've given fair warning. Now back to the show. It gives those utopian, light, airy vibes from, you know, certain Food Network shows that you might be familiar with like Sugar Rush or Cupcake Wars. It's all very lighthearted and seems like it's from another planet as opposed to a more gritty, dark food show like my other personal favorite, Chopped which is like the polar opposite of this show. The episodes are quick and they have great energy. I love the judges as human beings. I love how I say that like I fucking know these people personally. I I don't know what I mean when I say that. I mean they're nice people. I don't know them from Kmart. The judges are nice, but they don't have great chemistry. It's kind of like two Paula Abduls and a Simon. Then there is the host. Good Lord, you'd think she is a massive celebrity that we all are familiar with or something, which, spoiler alert, she's not. Which, okay, maybe she is. She's from The Good Place and Glow, so maybe you've heard of her, Jackie Tone, Ton, something like that. You probably haven't. Let's not play ourselves. And you're not missing out, I promise you. She's just a bag of bad jokes and like a weird fucking guitar. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Same thing with that Judge David. Just the jokes. I mean, no, no. It, they're just bad jokes. But then again, what do you expect from this utopian family? family-friendly, kind of quirky television show. I can understand how my type of comedy wouldn't find its way into this show, so that's fair enough. Truly, to sum up Best Leftovers Ever, I'm gonna circle back to the positives, which are that it's a fantastic concept. There's so much waste happening in the world, and this is inspiring to me. The chefs were all incredibly talented and creative. Overall, if the show had more structure, stricter rules, maybe a new host, and more judges like Rosemary, Netflix would have a hit. My next title is Shine On with Reese. As soon as I could, I started my own publishing company. Years later, Elvis was recording here, and I knew the people that were producing him. So they called me two or three weeks before yeah. and said, Elvis is recording. You want to come down and meet him? Because he's going to record I Will Always Love You. And I thought, oh, my God. And I told everybody, you know, <laughs> and I was so excited. And I was going to go to the session and meet yeah. Elvis and all that. And then just like a, a day before, I got a call and he was saying, now, you know, we don't record anything with Elvis unless he has publishing. And I said, now, hold on. I said, well, I can't do that. I said, because I've already had a number one song on it and it's my most important copyright. Right. And he said, well, then we can't record it. And I cried all night. I was so upset about it. But I thought, you know, I can't do it. I can't even do it for Elvis. I love Reese Witherspoon so much. She has been one of the very few celebrities that I actually admire and aspire to be like. 
She's so charming and funny and has great taste in books, by the way. Let me shut up about the elegant, well-spoken Reese and talk about the show itself, Shine On. It's a docu-series where Queen Reese's Cup sits down with a diverse group of empowered women over several episodes and discusses their journey to become strong women in their respective industries. It honestly was so needed for me right now. It gave me so much hope. It reminds me that there is good in our world. And the first episode was with Dolly Parton, as you could hear in that audio clip. And that was definitely my favorite episode. She also sits down with Pink and Ava DuVernay, the most inspiring episode in my opinion, and tons more fantastic women. This would be an amazing thing to watch with your mom, your sister, nieces, daughters, any female in your life. Shine On with Reese truly lives up to its name. It's a very bright light in very dark times. My next title is another classic feel-good easy watch. Big Daddy. Well, shouldn't you like your own name? I mean, why don't you pick your name? It's going to be your name the rest of your life. What do you want it to be? Frankenstein. Frankenstein? All right, I can deal with that. I'll call you Frankenstein. What are you doing, Frankenstein? You going to play in the puddle? Well, go ahead. Puddle it up. From now on, you do whatever you want to do. And I'll show you some cool shit along the way. In my opinion, this movie was peak Adam Sandler. I feel like he's sort of corny and dated now, which I spoke about at nauseum in one of my Halloween episodes about Hubie Halloween, I think it was called. I know me saying that Adam Sandler is not funny is like sacrilege to some people, but don't get your panties in a bunch. I don't care. He is no longer funny. He is in the same category as Jeff Dunham. But this film right here, this is completely different. This is not the Adam Sandler I'm roasting. Since we all know and love Big Daddy, I'll do the same thing that I kind of did with Superbad. I'll give you a little bit of a brief description and then give you some unknown facts. A lazy law school grad adopts a kid to impress his girlfriend. But everything doesn't go as planned and he becomes an unlikely foster father. An ideal foster father having Julian, aka Frankenstein, pee outside on walls. Which is kind of badass, I can't lie. That was like one of the most iconic scenes. Which, first fun fact, was fake in case you didn't already know that. They used like pocket-sized pumps for the illusion. Another cool fact is Sandler met his wife on the set of this film. Her name's Jackie Sandler and she played the waitress who brought him the root beer when he was like the goddamn jets that was adam sandler's wife so a little bit of romance in big daddy this film clearly had a big piece of sandler's heart so it's no surprise that he was extremely emotionally invested during the scene where sunny loses julian adam was actually in tears which breaks my heart to actually think about with that kind of love it rightfully is up there with the 90s classics it also was financially very successful this was Adam Sandler's most successful live action film, making $163 million domestically. His number one film, like, are you fucking kidding me? Out of all the films, I never would have thought this, is Hotel Transylvania. That made $169 million domestically. Adam ain't hurting for dough. Adam is clearly doing well, even if he's not funny anymore.
Thank you so much for listening and for your patience as you waited for season two of this podcast. I know this wasn't the newest or most exciting array of titles, but I feel like we needed some feel-good shit right now. You know what I'm saying? Next week, I have something cool planned. And for the season as a whole, I'm thinking of doing more focused episodes on like one single title, maybe like one of those a month. And also maybe ranking style episodes, for example, like ranking Harry Potter films and have that type of episode be open to other streaming platforms or things that aren't on streaming platforms just once a month or so, just to open it up to more than just Netflix, but keeping Netflix the primary focus, of course. Current events, not even just in America, around the world, because I know a lot of my listeners are not from the US. This shit has cast a very dark cloud over all of us, and it's draining, it's exhausting, and it's okay to not feel okay right now. Please take care of yourself. Please, if you need it, take a social media break. Clean up your room. Rearrange your home. Try a new recipe. Take a nap. Do fucking nothing. Don't feel bad if you are just done and you can't do anything. Don't feel like you have to be productive right now. It's okay to take a break and just let yourself feel what's happening. And it's also okay to turn it off. There is no abnormal way to deal with what we're going through as a world. Just remember that there is light at the end of this dark tunnel. We are going to get to it. For my friends all over the world, I scoured the internet to find a website that can help you find mental health resources in your country. And I wanted it to be simple and easy and offer the widest array of resources that I could possibly find. Checkpointorg.com. Yes, checkpointorg.com, not checkpoint.org, checkpointorg.com. Dot com is incredible. It will allow you to select your country and then from there you can find emergency numbers, general websites, more specific resources for things like depression, anxiety, addiction, trauma, PTSD, bipolar disorder, sexuality and gender, eating disorders, support for carers, support for children, and so much more. If you cannot find your country on the main part of the scrolly page, go all the way to the bottom and select more countries. There you will find more options for your area. I hope this tool is helpful if you need it. There is no shame in needing help right now. Another thank you for your patience and for taking time out of your day to listen to little old me. Stay caffeinated, stay streaming, stay strong. <laughs>